millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. One of the biggest things that I think is important is for people to think about how to be ahead of the herd right now. And in order to be ahead of the herd, I recommend following these seven steps that will help you get to financial freedom and accelerate your path to prosperity. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hello, welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. Now listen, if you're anything like me, you would love to know how to accelerate your path to prosperity. Now that word means something different for all of us. Maybe prosperity is a dollar amount to you or being able to have time and freedom in your day. Maybe it's becoming debt free or having a certain amount of money in your investment accounts. No matter what prosperity means to you, you need a roadmap to get there. Our guest, Louis Giannis, is the founder of WealthNet Investments and the author of a new book called Financial Freedom Blueprint. Louis also holds the Chartered Financial Analyst and Chartered Market Technician designation. So yeah, he knows his stuff. In this episode, Louis shares the seven steps to mapping your financial future to help you secure financial independence. This is a good one, my friend. 
So, Louis, you wrote this amazing book called The Financial Freedom Blueprint. And I think for everyone listening, we love the idea of financial freedom. But for many of us, we just can't even imagine it happening. I was wondering if you could just give us some, some maybe a pep talk or some words of wisdom around the viability of financial freedom for all of us. Yeah, I think the first thing is it really depends on where you are right now. It all starts with that. So if you're in a position where you're living paycheck to paycheck and you are not really able to save, then that's a different thing to start out with. And there, if you're in that position, I would say the first thing is to say, okay, what is my unique ability? Where am I right now? And how can I leverage my unique ability in a way where I'm adding more value for customers, clients, or the company that I work for so that I can increase my income because that's step one. So for those people that are, you know, that a lot of times they can't really vision visualize it because they can't save. So right. it starts off with that. And that process, I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on that. But if I can kind of bottom line um, my experience with people about that is that it really starts off with the confidence in yourself and then to really look inside and say, okay, what am I really, really good at? What do I really love? What's that intersection of what my unique ability is and what the marketplace will pay me well for? Uh, and stop making excuses for that, but actually take control over that part of it and then get yourself immediately as soon as possible in a position where you're socking a lot of money away. So so tell me a little bit about the genesis of this book. Like, How'd you come up with this idea and, and, and say, okay, this is absolutely what I need to write about? Well, I've been in the investment management business in various elements, uh, various jobs in the investment world for over two decades. And I started off as a financial advisor. They call them financial advisors now. Back then, it was a stockbroker. Um, I started off doing that, and I worked for a very large firm, very well-respected firm. We had the best research in the on Wall Street. And what I realized was that what was happening was a lot of people were not getting independent, unbiased advice because there was so many uh, strong, strong conflicts in the business. And so I really decided I was going to roll up my sleeves to learn how to do well for people. So I went back and got a chartered financial analyst, chartered market technician, and I went to go work as an analyst for a hedge fund on the buy side, which means that you're you're not selling things, you're just investing as a fiduciary for customers. And I learned a ton doing that. And uh, so I've been on the side of the hedge fund side, and I've been a senior portfolio manager for a large bank where we managed a lot of money. And I learned a lot of things about how to get people on the right track, anywhere from people who are, you know... Uh, mom and pops, everyday mom and pops, all the way to CEOs of public publicly traded companies. But when I decided to start WealthNet Investments, which is my registered investment advisory firm, my goal was to provide that independent, unbiased advice that was not skewed by um, what I saw on Wall Street for all that time. And I really wanted to make sure that people can get on the right foot and not get hurt and to do the right thing for themselves. So that really was the genesis of the whole concept. Uh, the What is in the book, and I tried to make it really concise, is really a culmination of all the different things that I've learned that have helped people speed up and accelerate their path to prosperity and to get to that independence, regardless of what's happening you know, in the marketplace, because you have to be, you know, you're going to have ups and downs in the economy and you really have to be in a position where you're able to make reasonable rates of return and to sock money away consistently over the long run. 
So I know the the book really lays out these seven steps you say to to mapping your future. And I'm hoping maybe we can walk through a few of them. Do you have like top three that maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into? Sure. Yeah, I have no no problem doing that. You know, the first step, and, and if you want to just kind of dive in, the first step really has to do with really looking inside yourself and saying, okay, what is important about money to me? And what are those things that are going to really keep get me on the right foot for my life? Because everybody is so different in terms of what they want to see in their life. Right. And uh, you really can't let other people pick your goals for you. You really have to kind of identify and prioritize your own goals. And, and it's really important to know that you're a human being, not a number. And so you got to have a uh, really clear plan for you, not for anybody else, not some cookie cutter plan that some financial planning program is going to give you online. You really got to look inside yourself and say, what is important about money to me? And I have this whole, in the book, I talk a lot about goal grading and how to how to figure out what goals are important and how to rank them. And then from there, then you start putting together a plan. You have to start off with where, you know, where am I now? Where am I trying to go? And then you fill the gap there. But that's that's really that first step is is to find your purposes and your your purpose and your values and your opportunities and threats that you have in your own life. Visualize that future and and uh, have a goal transformation into reality. And what advice would you give? Because I know that a lot of the listeners write questions in to me all the time about just feeling completely overwhelmed at at the choices. I'm even if we're just talking about investing, one person says do it this way, another person says do it this way and it's hard to figure out sometimes well what do I even believe or what would work best for the vision I have for my life? Is there any way to to walk through that process? Okay. So, uh when when it comes to figuring out your goals, it really starts out with what is urgent first? You know, there's, there's, there's kind of some ways to scorecard it out for you. So you say, okay, when I'm thinking about my money, is there anything that's urgent like right now that I need to solve? Whether it be debt issues or whether it be, I've got this money that I inherited that I've got to figure out what to do with. What is urgent? And then the other thing I would think about that's really important with a goal is uh, your goals are what are my, when I'm thinking about what I want to do with my money, how is it going to affect the people that I love and people that are around me? Mm. because a lot of people make goals all by themselves and then they wind up not thinking about how it affects everybody else that's important to them. Um, I, the other thing I would look at is what are my passions? So um, the hardest part for me is when somebody comes and they don't really have any passions. I never understood that because I've always been a relatively passionate <laughs> person. <laughs> you and me both. I've got too many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, what are those passions that you have? What do you have fire for, you know? Another one that I think people really overlook is my health, because there's a lot of people that will make decisions because of the money or whatever, and they wind up affecting their health in a very bad way. So without health, you have nothing. So uh, how does this goal affect my health? Like, you know, when I first had, when I first started working on the Wall Street, I had jobs that I worked 16 hours a day, you know, that was horrible for my health. You know, I mean, and I was constantly eating and breathing the bond and stock market. So, so you have to kind of look at those things. And uh, scorecard it out. And I, I show some ways on how you can scorecard it out. And everybody has different values. Some people have values that are, they may even be religious oriented or, or they may have other causes in, in your life. So you got to figure out what what is, uh, you have to kind of look inward for that. Nobody can give you the total answers for that. Um, 
and I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but it starts off with yourself and then you move into kind of more of the tangible things like where am I right now getting organized? Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, again, I just sometimes feel like there's so many different choices and options out there that it's just really easy to get so overwhelmed. And then you find yourself in a place where you almost don't want to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So that, that is, a, that has to be, yeah, the big choices and all that. There's too many of them. The real issue there is that there's always going to be trade-offs. There's always going to be trade-offs and you just have to recognize if I pick this one, I'm going to be not picking this other one, you know, this other right. option. Um, but if you don't ever get past that, then you'll never get anywhere. So you have to pick a path and understand that you could course correct. Like you can take, you know, take this path and then you can change if you need to. And and the younger you are, the more you can do that. But you have to also look inside what your heart says. Because a lot of times, I mean, I know that I went in various directions in my life and in my career that was against my heart, but was going towards what I thought was in my head. And then it was wrong. And then I wound up changing anyway later on. So really look, in, look into your heart. But you also have to be realistic about what your heart is saying, because you, you might, your heart might be saying to do something that is economically just not feasible. Right. <laughs> I've yeah. probably had a few of those things happen, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> sure. But then, but then you have to look at your, 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 where are you right now in terms of my income, my assets, my liabilities. And what about this idea of perfectionism when it comes to money? I think there's a lot of uh, quote unquote experts out there saying that there's, you know, a five step process or a 10 step process. And that if you do those steps, it leads to fill in the blank, prosperity, abundance, whatever it might be. But it's really easy to get caught up in that idea of perfectionism and you make a mistake with your finances and because we don't talk about money very much. It feels like a very isolating experience. So I'd just love to hear your perspective a little bit on maybe giving ourselves a little bit of a break, even if we do make a mistake. Oh, sure. It's about progress, not perfection. That's something that Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach talks about. Uh, and I think that's really what it's all about. You, you have to make progress. So think about the things that are going to move the needle the most, the simple things that you can do that are going to move the needle the most. And the first one I think that almost everybody can do is, is to pay yourself first. If, you know, it really starts with that. You got to get to that point if you're, you know, depending, and I don't know where your audience is, it depends on where you're at. But if, if you're at that point where, where you're feeling like, um, you know, you need to have perfection, it, that's not true. It's really about hitting the big things right. And, and, and really, if you're hitting the big things right with your finances, it starts off with having a good income, saving a lot, you know, saving as much as you possibly can, but still living a good life today. Yeah, That's really important because like you, 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 you can't, most people can't just defer spending and then have a horrible life now. Right. <laughs> it's a Perspective. Balance. <laughs> balance. Yes. I like that word. So is there, is there another step, uh, in these seven steps that you, you think is really critically important? Well, each one of them are important and they actually, they work the best when you go in order of them. Just, I've just found that out from, you know, from experience. So once you identify and prioritize your objectives and then you say, okay, now I need to figure out where I am. And that means gather all your information all my assets, liabilities, what is my income? It's amazing how many people don't even know what they have at their job. I just had a call 
last week with somebody who has a job uh, over at Cornell University. It's like they have no idea what they even have. So you got to know where, what do I have? And then what does that mean for me? And what are my choices that I have available to me? So, you know, once you've gotten a, a good feeling about where, not feeling, but like facts about where I am, then it's a matter of saying, okay, now what does that mean? How am I going to fill that gap between where I am and are there, what are those things that I can do that are realistic for me? And that means evaluating alternatives. And everybody has different alternatives. There's no easy answer. I can't just say, you know, I actually don't like it when people say it's these five easy steps because it's not right. always easy. <laughs> there are steps, but they're not always easy. Yeah. And I, what do you think is the, maybe it's a, it's a mindset block or I'm not quite sure what it is, but what do you think gets in the way of us really fully understanding where we're at financially and, and what we do have? I think the biggest roadblock is taking the time. People just don't want to, a lot of people just don't want to take the time. And, uh, it requires you to sit down and look at some things. And sometimes, uh, looking at things can be depressing. It's like, especially if it's not where you want it to be. But uh, that, you know, that old ostrich that sticks the, their head in the sand, that is kind of like that. I think that is it really that's keeping people. And, but when you look at it and if you go with the attitude of saying, look, what matters is that I deal the best I possibly can with the cards that I personally have been dealt. You know, I was not dealt a silver platter when I was a kid. I grew up on the South side of Chicago. My parents never had any money. And one day I was, I was like dead broke. Right. And I was, I was a music guy when I was young and I decided, you know what? I, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. My grandfather was nice enough to let me rent one of his houses in the worst part of, part of town. I was sitting there in, in this room, it was completely empty, but there was one box in the center and it had a bunch of books. And on the top was this green book. And I looked at the book and it said microeconomics. And, and it had this graph and I was like, what? This is very interesting. I started looking at this and I was like, this is it. And the reason why I thought I found out that that was it, because I was working construction during the summertime just to try to figure out how to make ends meet. And I had a, I had a music scholarship, but I didn't take it. I wanted to chase girls instead. <laughs> I, I that was not a good idea. Hey, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it was one of those things where um, when I was working construction, I was like, why am I making like $6 an hour? And this man with his wife, he's wearing a suit and he lives in this multi-million dollar house. And we're putting this like this marble on that's like $20 a square foot. What did he do differently? What did he understand differently? Yeah. And then I, I realized that it was about understanding economics. You have to understand economics, supply and demand. And, um, so when I saw that book, it was very clear to me. I immediately stopped what I was doing. I figured out what I needed to do to get back into college. It wasn't that I couldn't get into college. I just didn't, just didn't do it, you know, and then you, you can turn yourself around. So no matter where you are, you can turn yourself around and you can, uh, deal the card, the best cards you can possibly, you know, deal with the cards that you have been dealt the best you possibly can. financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. 
So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news? Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time-consuming. I tried all of the apps. But I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So what do you think are some of those key economic uh, issues or uh strategies, tips that you think we should know about? 
I think the biggest thing for young people right now is they need to realize that the government is printing a ton of money. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes. And this is not, this is, it's really important to understand what's happening. So when the government decides to spend money that more than what we can raise from taxes, like they're doing right now, we run a deficit, that money has to be financed. And normally that money is financed by issuing treasury bills and the public would buy the treasury bills. But now nobody wants to buy the treasury bills because interest rates are so low. China doesn't want to buy those treasury bills as much anymore. So who's buying them is the Fed. And the only time uh, the Fed can buy something is when they actually create new money. And so we're basically financing all this expense, all these expenses that the government is coming up with to build back better, all that stuff. We're financing that with inflation because that money goes into the system. It gets put into the system and people are not People right now are not producing as much as they normally would be. A lot right. of people are not working. And so we need to start producing more. So what I think the biggest thing I would uh, encourage everybody to understand is that inflation appears to be more than transitory right now. Uh, we have a lot of things that we need to resolve. And it's, it's actually the millennial generation. It's your job to fix it. Because we had a lot of things that we have been, um, we inherited We've kind of spent our future and I'm not trying to be negative, but it's kind of, it's a reality of where we are. So we have to be more productive. We have to, uh, make some tough choices. It's not going to be easy for us to get ourselves in a better position in the, in the United States. Uh, but the, here's, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that you have to save aggressively and you have to invest in a way where you're investing in those, those opportunities of the future, not of the past. Those, those innovative companies with new products and new services and high demand, that's where you need to put your capital and grow with that. And then if you make a mistake, be sure to cut your losses very quickly. That is one of the biggest pieces of advice, advice I would give you. Cut your losses short, short, let your profits run so and diversify and save aggressively and get yourself in a position where your human capital, what you're worth, is worth more and more in the marketplace so that you can earn more and more. If you're not an entrepreneur. So what do you think some of those industries are that, that we need to be particularly attuned to? I think, I think anything in the healthcare area that is dealing with, uh, you know, the new methods for health, healthcare, for new methods of drugs and all that's, that's a huge industry and it will continue to be a strong biotech, if you will. The other thing, technology, obviously, artificial intelligence, engineering. So one of the biggest trends I see, actually, and I really wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you mentioned this. We have to start creating products and services in the United States again. So engineering and being able to produce and manufacturing, I think that's going to be a big trend for millennials and for even the, the next generation, because right now we are so dependent on other countries to create our, our goods and services. It creates a real problem with us. We're, we're over dependent and we're going to start creating more products here. So if you can step in front of that, I think you're going to make a lot more money. It was interesting. I just watched, I don't know if it was CBS News, some show last week where it was talking about lithium batteries and mm -hmm. the production of lithium batteries and how us here in the United States, we don't have very many production uh, houses for lithium batteries and just how how many things going forward in the future is are going to be run off of lithium batteries. And so, I mean, that's just one example, but there's so many different examples of, I think what you're talking about, about industries and companies that are really looking 
towards the future. And those things at least really, really interest me and excite me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the trends. And there's a, a few, I had a podcast that I did. Um, I have a podcast called the market call show. And on that podcast I have, uh, there's one called uh, stop investing like your parents. And in that one, I talk about some of the ways, some of the ways that you can um, think about finding those opportunities. How do you find those opportunities that you're talking about? I'll give you a couple of clues. The first is it all starts with the revenue, the revenue and the price of the actual stocks. So you're going to see the price action move well ahead of the actual news. So by the time everybody's talking about it, it's already started to move. That's just is usually how it works out. The other key is that the revenues are going to be going up a lot faster, even before they're profitable. So some of the best investments that are part of the future and not part of the past, they may not be profitable right away, but they have enormous revenue growth. So focusing in on where the revenue growth is and focusing in on where the price momentum is, you will find those companies. You, and it's a good shortcut way to do that. So looking at companies that have IPO'd within the last five years, sometimes even within the last year, and then you can find them early before you're hearing everybody talk about it on CNBC. And how do we even begin to search for these companies? Is it just really being uh, plugged into to what's going on in the world and um, I mean, even just the products that that we're using on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think the products that you're using on an everyday basis is a real uh, good part, good way to look at it. Uh, that is definitely probably the easiest way to find them, you know, when there's something new happening. Uh, one example would be of a, of a company that's that's recently gone public is ZipRecruiter. Have you heard of Zip? Yeah, oh, for sure, yes. Okay, it's a, g- a great company. So we hire in uh, my firm and we've used the different ones indeed and other others and we found ZipRecruiter to be for us the best one. And when they went public it was I was immediately looking at that company especially since since uh, employment is down. And I'm not making a recommendation for ZipRecruiter by the way. I'm just I'm just example. saying it's an example. So you have a company that has a good product and service that they've got something unique They've got a competitive advantage, and there's also some good timing there because we're employment. You know, as you know, there's a lot of people that need to be placed, and, and employers are like, "Hey, we have all a ton of work, and people need to start working." So there's actually more jobs out there than people are actually taking. I think that's going to reverse. Actually, it'll have to reverse. So we've seen so many years now of an up market. I mean, I think if somebody's listening to the show in their in their twenties, maybe even early thirties. They've pretty much their adult life seen the market go up for the most part. Are there ways for us to really protect ourselves in rough markets? Because it's inevitable, right? I mean, history shows us that everything ebbs and flows. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where you're getting into uh, the risk management part of investing, which is the most important out of everything that we can talk about other than just saving a ton of money as much as possible. Risk management is the other one. And risk management can be done in a few different ways. Uh, one way would be to uh, figure out how you're going to position size. Position size is just saying, of my money that I have, what percentage am I going to put in this particular opportunity? So the way you figure that out is based on what is the opportunity itself. Is it is it a very, very good opportunity? If it is, then you want to give yourself a little more exposure to it. The second would be the volatility. So if it if it's, it's an investment that has a lot of volatility. So if this is like 
let me see if I can get an example. Well, okay, Bitcoin is a prime example. Everybody knows about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a lot more volatile than the S&P 500, you know, the general stock market. Right. And so you want to size that position smaller than you would a, a stock position. So based on its volatility. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing would be, what is its diversification benefit? So is it a lot different than what my other holdings? So if you have something that's a lot different than your other holdings, then you can give it a little more size. And we're very scientific about how we do this, but that's the general concept. You, It's how you size your investments and, and diversify. And then the other thing would be to recognize that everybody gets it wrong. And this is one of the things, <laughs> this is one of the things, the best investors and traders, and I've seen some of the best in the world, they are usually right 40 to 60% of the time. And some of the best ones are right only 30% of the time of the time. But the difference is, is that when they're wrong, they immediately cut their losses. They, they try to recognize when they're wrong as soon as possible. And the price can tell you if you buy something and it immediately starts going down, at, you know, if you size it right and it goes down more than normal and there, you, know, you have to calculate what would be a normal move. If it goes down more than normal, just admit that you're wrong, get out. You can always get back into something. Um, you know, that's really, really important because that will save you in many cases. Uh, I can't tell you how many times you've had, I've seen a fundamental story. There's a great story about why something should work out and it doesn't. And, um, if you don't cut your losses, then what's hap what happens is you are down 50%. Then you have to go up a hundred percent just to break even. You don't want to get yourself in that kind of a position. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, the Pornhub Empire, over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right daily true crime. Everyday Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So managing your downside is really important, both from a diversification standpoint, your position size, how much you put on, as well as just giving yourself an uncle point where you're saying, if it hits that level, even if I still think I'm right, I'm going to get out. I can always get back in. I want to talk a little bit about risk tolerance too. What role does risk tolerance play on our financial freedom journey? Because we all have a very different risk tolerance. And 
uh, I mean, I know that risk tolerance changes over time, but I, I just would love to hear your thoughts about the role risk tolerance plays. Well, that that is a it is a huge role. It is a huge uh, importance. I, I like to look at it in a, kind of like a three-legged stool. You have risk tolerance, which is kind of psychology, like how do I feel about movements in my portfolio? And some people can uh, you know, feel okay with larger movements and other people don't. So that's one element of it. The other part would be your risk capacity. How much risk can you take? Can your, like, f- your financial position take? You know, so um, to give you an example, if you have a, a, a lot of a long time frame, then you could take more risk. If you have a very short time frame, you, you should be taking less risk. If you have a lot of assets, you don't have to take as much risk as if you have a little, ass, a little amount of assets. So there's that part of it, you know, risk capacity. And then the third part of it is the risk requirement, which is, you know, in order for me to reach my retirement goal, for example, what rate of return am I going to need to make and how much risk do I need to take to get that level of return? So that would be like what you would be required to take. So, you know, we look at those things from all three. So when somebody is saying, okay, um, you know, we're trying to assess what this risk profile, how you should invest, we want to look at all three of those things. But the rule is, is to never invest more than your stomach can handle because you will wind up doing the wrong thing. You'll wind up selling at the bottom and you'll wind up making poor choices and then you'll underperform. That, that's at least that's what I've seen in history with people. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that emotional behavioral side of money. What role does that play in, in our decision making? Oh, well, there's a ton of um, behavioral science concepts that are really important to understand. Like, you know, uh, we have this bias that we're going to look for something and and to confirm what we already believe. That's called confirmation bias. That's probably one of the largest ones. Yes. Um, And I think that's, you know, having a, a view where you're actually more scientific about how you view things. I believe investors should think more like a doctor. And I have a whole chapter about that in my book about, you know, think like a scientist or like a doctor when you're investing, not, you know, work with the probabilities in the base case, not based on hunches. You have to have numbers as well as a story. A story by itself is not good. You also need to have numbers that can work out. But um, there's just a whole lot we can talk about there. Um, What part of that do you want to dive into more? I mean, I'm not sure exactly which part of it you want to Talk well, about. I'm I'm thinking about even about investing. We were just talking about risk tolerance and how if we're we're in some investment or maybe we bought some stock and maybe it's not it's not going so well and you know our our brains kind of go a little bit crazy thinking about well do I sell and do I is is it smart to take a loss or even if we're investing in something that feels really popular at the moment, like a meme stock or even Bitcoin is an example where maybe that, that irrational rationality kind of takes over and we're investing in something that we don't even know what it is. Well, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would be the first part, uh, knowing what you, what you're investing in. So like, let's take Bitcoin as an example. So a lot of people are asking me, like, what's better, gold or Bitcoin? And there's this big debate, gold or Bitcoin. And, I, and I'm going to tie this into risk tolerance. Well, um, I've bought, we own both gold and Bitcoin. So they both have a, a, you know, a solid reason and rationale to own it. Uh, but we have more gold than Bitcoin because gold is less volatile. 
and uh, Bitcoin is very volatile. But but Bitcoin has been outperforming our gold position, right? It's been doing very, very well. So as it's gone up, what we're doing is we pair back on some of the some of the Bitcoin and then we buy some gold with it. Mm. And and we're not trying to make one better the other. But if if gold if Bitcoin were to just turn around and go down, we would be completely out of Bitcoin. You know, you we have mm-hmm. that position size and that uncle point that says, okay, based on our position size and our risk profile, uh, we will be completely out if it if it moves the other way. So um I and I think thinking like a doctor and a scientist is really hard for some people, you know, and but I think that is the way that you're going to avoid having big losses. Yeah, I like that a lot. So we pick up the book, Financial Freedom Blueprint. What do you want us to walk away with after we read it? Mm, that's a really good question. Really, I think it depends on where you are. So for a millennial, what I'd like you to walk away with is those seven steps and to do and to do them if you haven't already done them. And uh, the second thing would be to look at the criteria, the ADP criteria, like how how to select the types of companies that make sense going forward. And also look at that. I have a formula in there that talks about how to manage risk. Look at those formulas so that you don't get yourself in a position where you're losing your nest egg. So it's a combination of financial planning and investment management that's going to lead you to success. Lewis, this has been so, so educational. I would love to have you back on the show. We always are interested in really smart perspectives about financial freedom, but I would love for you to tell all the listeners where they can go to connect with you and get a copy of the book. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. Uh, It's going to be released November 16th. Uh, that is the target date. Uh, you can also go to path to real wealth.com. Uh, that is my, uh, website that has information about the book and other things that we're doing. And, uh, that should get you every information that you need. First off, can we just talk about the Zen quality of Lewis's voice? I love that we have all sorts of guests on this show, but Lewis has this quality about him that, I don't know about you, but it really draws me in. If you want to make 2022 about doing things differently with money, you definitely need a copy of his book, Financial Freedom Blueprint. In my opinion, you can just never learn too much about money. You take what works for you, you put it to work, and you leave what doesn't aside. But more knowledge really does create more opportunities and certainly more wealth. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 